Hey, Blaine from DTC Pod here. If you're an entrepreneur, you know how valuable the right support can be. We've heard tons about virtual assistants, but what about leveling up even further? Let's think about experts. I came across more staffing recently. They're not just about connecting businesses with virtual assistants. Instead, they focus on matching you with professionals from the Philippines. We're talking about finance, supply chain, operations, marketing, and others. The real kicker? More staffing goes the extra mile. They back their placements with a 12-month guarantee, and they even coach them for the first six months. This ensures you're getting someone who's not only skilled, but also integrates seamlessly into your operations. If you're ready to evaluate and transform your business, head over to morenow.co. Again, morenow.co. Next year's creeping up quick. If you want to skyrocket revenue in 2024, you need tech that puts you in the pilot seat. The new HubSpot Sales Hub will help you close out the year strong and kickstart your success for 2024. Teams can collaborate on every inch of the customer journey and keep operations running smoothly with a comprehensive prospecting workspace and powerful sales and analytics tools that keep data connected across teams. Speed up your workflows and navigate your platform with ease with the AI-powered conversational platform ChatSpot. And use AI Assistant to write copy, generate emails, and more. They'll help you whip up assets and execute tasks that used to take hours out of your workday. HubSpot Sales Hub lets you accelerate every facet of your sales operation with precision. And with over 1,400 integrations, there are tons of ways to mix in new features. So finish out Q4 strong and gear up for the new year with HubSpot Sales Hub. Learn more at hubspot.com sales. What's up, DTC Pod? Today, we're joined by Jeff Byers, who is the CEO at Momentus. So Jeff, I'll let you kick us off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your personal background, and then what Momentus is all about? Yeah. Yeah. With, with finance, there's not as much creativity going on as, as you would think. Um, like, we, you moved into biohacking. Yeah. Finance, right? It's, 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 How did like, you end up? I was at a biotech, a biotech company, like a, a, like a pharmaceutical company, essentially, after it was really early stage. So after finance, I, I joined this biotech, um, and they had this technology that was delivering substances through the skin. Um, and by substances, I mean drugs. Um, and it was, had really cool early data. Um, this is my non-science background. It's way, it was way earlier than I ever gone. Um, because I just didn't understand, uh, didn't understand like that category, like biotech and pharma, like early stage pharma is, is very, very unique. And, and the life cycles take forever. I mean, they're still ripping at it and they're like 10 years in now. Um, and it could be investor. It could be billions and it could be a zero. Uh, and it's very binary, uh, in that, whereas I don't think, uh, many other businesses are as binary as biotech and, and, and the pharmaceutical business. Anyways, super fascinating. I was employee five, uh, and I really learned about physiology, science, clinical research, um, kind of by fire hose. Uh, I was, uh, definitely the least smartest human being on that team, um, and, and least accomplished from a business perspective. But what I brought and, and they were really intrigued by, they had this idea to use the technology outside of medicine and use it in, uh, in performance sport. And given my background as a pro athlete, and then they also wanted to raise some capital and, and obviously being in finance and the relationships, connections I had, I was able to help sit alongside the founder and help them raise some capital as well, which was a ton of fun. Um, and so I kind of came in to lead consumer products or like this 
idea of consumer products and uh and help raise some money on the leadership team which was super it was super fun and another crazy unique journey and uh it was my first taste into like truly like entrepreneurship and and that uh and ultimately that technology that that they developed became the first uh part of the first product that momentous is now is so my co-founder and I in 2018 uh, acquired the rights to a technology um, uh, that that helps deliver it and and this product called PR Lotion and PR Lotion became a baby or an idea within the biotech of what if we could deliver sodium bicarbonate and most people have like what is sodium bicarbonate it's baking soda um, through the skin but uh, you know five decades worth of research say that. Uh, sodium bicarbonate bicarbonate specifically helps uh, reduce acidity in your body and so when you're uh, training really really hard or really really long you produce what is commonly referred to as lactic acid and that is a limiting factor in your ability to go harder or longer um, and so if we were able to deliver this substance to the skin you could really make a pretty big impact when you think about uh, performance in sport uh, and that was this hypothesis we got really early data at the biotech about, around it and enough so that U.S. Special Forces started using it to a France winner, Super Bowl winning teams. And we got in the- After you acquired- uh, No, before, before at the biotech, right? We got this really crazy early traction. And some of it was like my network, and but we had enough data and we were really true to who we were. Um, but that gave us the, oh man, this has legs, uh, that we could do something super cool with it. But it also gave us the, at the biotech was like, Nobody the biotech was commercial minded. Like, like it, it, it's like an oxymoron. Like, like, yeah, right. We're talking about like phase two FDA clinical trials, right? And I'm like, hey, we need to buy some inventory. Um, and th like, it's just like that use of capital was not, it was not aligned. Uh, and so we as a leadership team kind of sat down and said, what are we going to do with this crazy idea product? We got like, you know, Navy SEALs using it and Super Bowl championed like, Teams like our first big customer, we we threw up this stupid Shopify site, like, and I know nothing about e-commerce or knew nothing at the time, and nobody else really did either. We threw up the Shopify site, and next thing you know, we have a two thousand dollar order, right? That comes in. I'm like, oh, where is this order? And it's like, can't won't tell you the name of the team, but it was like the stadium. And I was like, should probably call this guy, uh, right? It was like totally random. He's like, oh, you know, my friend, you know. He's the, you know, head dietitian for the, uh, this Tour de France team. And he told me about it. And he's like, we bought like a little bit. Guys loved it. I kept me like, holy cow. And that's, uh, anyways, so this was all the biotech. And uh, we're just like, what are we going to do with this product? And we're like, well, we can kill it, um, right? And just like, it's sunk cost, whatever, no big deal. Uh, and we're like, well, we could sell it. And it's like, we don't have enough traction to buy it. Like there's no real value. And then you lose control and all this. Um, or we can like spin it out, and create a new co. And so my co-founder, Erica, um, who's the president of the, of the company and really runs the day to day, uh, incredible background as well. Um, McKinsey and company, right. Incredibly process oriented, st strategic as hell. Um, we basically both were like this biotech shits for the birds. Like it's not built, it's different kind of building than what we were really passionate about. And so we spun that technology out, raised a month, raised money 
right, to start what is now called Momentus, but our original company was called Amp HP. And we did this on this vision of we can build the next generation high performance company, right? Like we have unprecedented access um, via this product that nobody else really had. And it was never to build a D2C business. It was never to build what is morphed into now, right? One of the leading, you know, sports nutrition, dietary supplements company in the space. It was, let's do it very differently. We believe that human performance and optimization right, is in its infancy, but what was happening at really elite levels and the new technologies and the practi uh, practitioners wasn't coming down to the consumer. So we saw this huge opportunity. Like most entrepreneurs were like, oh, PR lotion, it's going to be a hundred million dollar business product itself. Uh, turns out it's super niche. Um, it's a cool product, like fascinating and still gets what I will call the really, really elite performance thinkers in the world and scientists incredibly excited because we uh, we continue to have published research come out on it. It's, it's it's strong. I mean, we don't like we don't have 10, 10 years of research yet, but we have I think eleven or twelve uh, clinical trials. A handful of them have been published in in really good journals. Uh, but it's it's this crazy journey. So we, long story short, uh, we we had this crazy product doing crazy things. We had a little DTC business going, and it just like man, this is not enough. Right, but this product was a springboard, and it and it put us in rooms that are very hard to get into, whether it be locker rooms or military rooms or or, or research labs. Um, and we also got kind of these tastemakers that were like, "This is cool. It's not cool. It's not big enough, or it's too nichey for me to like get behind." But they were all kind of. Uh, what what kind of results were people seeing that like got them so excited? Yeah, I mean, basically, it's all about how do you how do you call uh, you know uh, uh, trying to think of like a more layman's term. Basically, it allows you to push harder. So, like if you're a CrossFit athlete, like push more watts on the salt bike over a short period of time, or if you're like a crazy endurance athlete, just bump that uh, bump up just a little bit, and so you can go a little bit harder for a little bit longer. And so what you see is, you know, you know, some performance gains that are really nice in short term, in short, in shorter efforts, um, on there. And so like we, you know, we've seen like 20% bumps in, you know, max effort intervals, uh, which is great. You're saying, wow, 20, but it's like, like, but then you also see like this big recovery piece where it's like when you, uh, when you make your muscle more basic, your muscle's more efficient. And, um, and when your muscle's more efficient, you don't have to tear it down, break it down as much. And so there's some recovery aspect of it as well. And what were the alternatives? Like, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. And what, and what was the, the form factor as well? You said it was like a lotion. And it's yeah. nasty. And it still is nasty. And part of the thing is like, we haven't figured, uh, when we, 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 I don't think we're ever going to figure it out. Right. Because part of the technology is really viscous. It's, it's kind of fatty. It's like, uh, and it separates a bit and, and, uh, early days kind of look like honey mustard. <laughs> People call that honey mustard and it, but anyway, so it's a lotion. You put it on like your major muscle group. So like, like you're going for a really hard run or, or something, your lo lower, lower body. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so this, this product is still in portfolio. It's, uh, you know, it still serves a purpose right now. Uh, but the alternative was drinking sodium bicarbonate, baking soda. And when you drink bicarb, your stomach is full of acid. Bicarb is a buffer, which means it reacts. 
and when it reacts, like think about uh, think about what we all did in elementary school. We made those paper mache volcanoes. Yeah, right. Vinegar, stomach acid, baking soda, baking soda, uh, sodium bicarbonate mixed together makes a volcano. That's what happens in your gut. Um, and so it's it, it typically has bad outcomes. But they've been using it in a really elite level sports rowing track uh, for fifty years, essentially. And they have really great benefits with it. But the problem is if you get the timing right, you crap your pants, right? And, you know, crapping your pants is never advantageous to performance <laughs> and really not advantageous for a consumer, right? Like no consumer is going to be like, let's drink some baking soda so I can ride my bike faster today on this group bike ride. No, yeah. you're like, I don't want to crap my pants. Like it's just, that's not no mine. Worth it. So it, it really created uh, that space, which is fascinating. What was like the biggest challenges in like commercializing this because looking back like when you tell the story looking back it's like oh yeah it's obvious like grab a product that is um has rights to it and then just make it dtc friendly and have that as a competitive advantage i'm sure there were a bunch of challenges really hard it's actually now that uh once we acquired the momentous brand uh it just makes it seem so easy with like known products in a more known category like we were creating a category and a market and we had so many things to overcome um and it was like a single product pro product so we had low aov low ltv because it turns out you know outside of elite athletes people don't push themselves to barfing five times a week right and you really don't need pr lotion unless you're going really really hard and so like what we found is people love the product but they use it you know, you use one unit a year or two units a year. And that's like, cool, $35, $65. You're like, that is not a sustainable business model um, on there. And so with the one product company, what's super interesting um, is you get all that mind share on the consumer. So every email is about it, everything on there. But I think the biggest thing for us and what we didn't, what I believe has made us really successful is we stuck very true to our mission and vision. And it was to be at the forefront of high performance. It wasn't to create a D2C brand. And again, like that's not my background. And if I maybe was a D2C, had D2C background or a product background, even it would have been very different. But for me, the ecosystem in high performance and, and human optimization and wellness and being in that was all that mattered to me. Like I really believed uh, we could make a pretty big difference because what I saw as a pro athlete when I retired and my goals shifted, I didn't know what to do or where to go. And to me, that just meant there was this huge gap. And, I, and it's our mission that we call democratizing high performance, taking how the best operate that have really unlimited resources and bringing it to bear to the consumer. Because as a consumer, when I retired, I was like, man, I care about brain health. I care about longevity in my body, right? I care about my sleep. I don't know where to go, where, who to trust, why to trust them, what's right for me. Um, and there was just like this huge gap of like, and what are the cutting edge technologies? What's new? Like, Because when, when you're an elite athlete, you have a practitioner that yep. gives you what you need to be great, right? You have access to the best products, right? In the world, like, they aren't giving you a crappy supplement. They are giving you a, you don't have crappy weights, right? Everything is best in class. Mm -hmm. And then you have, right? Then you have access to like this cutting edge knowledge, right? Which is you also like, okay, let's, let's try this. Let's do that. Like, you know, new things that maybe aren't fully proven or 
you know, that aren't right for everybody, but that are right for you based upon your situation. So I just saw this huge gap. There's just this huge gap, but we see the very core to this mission. Um, and it's been hard because we're not a traditional D 2 C brand because we invest in clinical research. We invest in advocacy work still. Um, and that's a really unique thing for a DTC brand. Like last year we spent, or this year, I guess we spent 5% of total revenue on like what I will call expanding access and expanding knowledge, so, right? All, all things that don't directly drive revenue that clinical research. Yeah. Ultimately is a huge differentiator. And like we do a bunch of advocacy work on Capitol Hill around expanding access in our category and knowledge. Like that doesn't drive, I mean, maybe in a couple of years it will, but like we believe we need to democratize high performance and you do that through knowledge and power. Um, and that's a really, really big thing for a company our size and very differentiated in D to C. Like when you're like, oh, you know, like, let's just go launch another supplement company. Like, like you're pumping money all into, into brand and right product and not really mission vision. Right. And not always. There's a lot. Of because when you start a DTC brand, there's really two ways of doing it, which is one is like, you either join a growing sector with, you know, sort of the tailwinds or you have to create the category. And if you're going to create the category, a heavy investment is like the education piece, especially for like this type of product, which is, you know, for elite athletes. But then how do you transfer that into like the people who might not necessarily be elite athletes, but, you know, they are top shape and they are yeah. they are trying to aspire to be at that level. Like, did that change the way you build the product? Because like elite athletes, you they're all sort of have like same same body type, et cetera. And a very a very similar mindset. I think um, you know, if we go into the if we go a bit into the story, so in twenty uh in twenty twenty one, early twenty one, we basically realized Hey, we need to expand uh, before 2021, but like we made a conscious decision. We have to expand our product portfolio and technology base. And we looked at a bunch of different companies to buy, acquire, merge, et cetera with. Um, and then we just like, let's launch our own uh, like uh, dietary supplements, nutritional supplements. And it was something somebody wanted us to do in 2019 and 2020. And I have this, like, I, I, it's still weird for me to say that I am a CEO and co-founder of now a dietary supplement, nutritional supplement company, because it's just the industry category doesn't make me feel good, mm -hmm. right? Because there's so much distrust and lack of transparency and bad actors and like no barriers to entry. But somebody's got to fix it. Somebody's right? got to fix it. And that was what we kept hearing. I was like, well, you guys are working with the Department of Defense. You have contracts, innovation contracts, doing research with U.S. Special Forces. Like you're working with all these pro and college teams. It's like just... Like this is a, a very parallel category to what you're in. And anyways, so we said, okay, we're going to launch some products in this category. We started building it and we actually end up building a handful of products. And what we found was to really build a meaningful portfolio was going to take a lot of time. And B, to really make the highest quality products in the space was really smart, right? Like, you can go and get any, you can go get a protein powder. We could go start a protein powdered company tomorrow, mm -hmm. right? And have product on a product ready to ship in three weeks. Like that's easy, right? To make truly a best in class product that our consumers at the highest level wanted was very hard. And so what we ended up doing, and, and I also had this like 
epiphany. I was like late winter in, in 21 was like, what makes us special is where I like, like we're at the forefront of high performance. We're working with the best people in the world. And if we just launch a meet a bunch of B2 products, that's not cool. Do my what idea you're trying to do. And like, that just is why I dislike this category so much. And then they're still going back. And then they're going back. He's damaged the brand. Um, and what we had was this incredible reputation in pro and college sports. And what we didn't want to do is do it. Anyway, so we kept running across this brand momentous. Um, and I got to know one of their their board members. And they were really looking for a shift. They, they had a very similar ethos to us. They were built in pro and college sports, right? Over, I mean almost over 50% of their business was in pro and college sports. They, they were selling into like a hundred plus pro and college sports teams with, with basically just like a, a protein, you know, protein portfolio. They had a couple fringe products, but, uh, was a fascinating, fascinating business. And they just didn't have enough umph in it. Like they were way more of a product company and they didn't have this like global mission vision, um, incredible brand that they'd built incredible rep- reputation that they, they had built. Um, but they just needed a bit of a, uh, a change. We ended up, uh, acquiring them and merging the two businesses together. So the company I founded is AMP HP. That's the underlying entity behind Momentus. Um, and we do business obviously as Momentus and it's been incredible. So when we bought Momentus, how long ago, sorry, that well, we did that transaction. Yeah. We basically closed July 1 of 21. So we're mm-hmm. on two oh, and years in almost which is crazy also to think about. Um, and it was honestly the hardest thing I've ever done. And uh, at, at the scale we were at, uh, together both brands were about five million bucks company. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the scale we were at, it was very hard, right? A culturally incredibly hard. Two very small teams, very different ethos, mm. very different founders. Like I am a very different founder than, uh, who started, uh, who started the original momentous brand and just leadership styles, philosophies, et cetera. And merging the two business together was really hard. But part of the theory behind bringing the two businesses together was, uh, like momentous was just, was a dietary supplement nutrition brand. Right. And Nobody like they were in these great places, but nobody was like, I'm going to go like attach my wagon to them. And what we had at Hemp HP was we had all these diehard, really big names. Like I got to know Andrew Huberman before this merger. Right. And because we were both like Andrew's really passionate about working with special forces and we were doing work with special forces and we had like this very similar ecosystem. Mm-hmm. And what I saw was we could actually activate this ecosystem in a super unique way if we had enough products and we had a portfolio, our challenge was we had a super niche product. What if we could access, like leverage us as being at the forefront of high performance and get the really special people excited, but leverage a huge market, addressable market that was fundamentally broken in my opinion. Um, And that's what we did, right? With the merger. It it took a really long time. It took us like a year to get our shit together. Uh, We we did not. Uh, We ended up raising money just uh, pretty recently to uh, ba- effectively made us made the acquisition a cash acquisition because we just bought out that side of the the company um we did a ca- uh, equity deal and it, uh, it was right for both businesses at the time but it was very very hard um right because at the end of the deal at the end of the d- 
day, there's not a winner. Like, like they're like, now you're both kind of competing. It's like, well, this is how we used to do it here. And what we ended up having was we had right kind of a, a split cap table. Um, and one was a very kind of consumer biotech cap table. And the other was a very traditional sports nutrition cap table. And we we're like, well, we're blending the two together. And both sides of that cap table, are like, well, I invested in this or I invested in that. And it created a lot of, uh, a noise and lack of clarity and alignment. Uh, and that can kill a company yeah. if, if not navigated yeah. properly. And so how we navigated it was we, we found somebody who was super aligned with our vision and said, Hey, let's create an event for all these people. They've been in, some of them had been in for five, six years. And we transacted out the people that were interested or weren't aligned with the mission. And it, it, it was a, a tremendous outcome for company and people, um, and new investor. Like we're so excited, um, for what that brings. But anyways, uh, and so it took us about a year to put the two companies together. And then we launched Huberman realistically in like June, July of 2022. Um, and Andrew and I, uh, you know, worked out together right after the merger. And we basically, you know, I was like, Hey, let's, let's think about doing something together. Like we have this portfolio, we have this reputation we can stand on. Like we're trusted in pro sports like anybody else, but we're still really young and nimble. And we want to create, right. This standard of excellence that nobody else has. Like, you know, um, and we fill the uh, gap that Andrew had, which was, I need, I, I want, you know, a really high quality company that's nimble, that can innovate product and launch new things. Um, that's, that hasn't been doing it the same way for, you know, 40 years. Um, and really trusted. And for us, we like, we want a catalyst. And this was, you know, it was like five months into Andrew's podcast. Like, yeah. He was this early. He was rising, but even at that time there was, I he's in the stratosphere, right? With like, Joe Rogan right. and nobody else, right? right? And I don't think anybody would have guessed that. And he's been a huge catalyst for us. Um, but what I will say is the catalyst behind Huberman is this relentless pursuit of being at the forefront of high performance. We are really excited to announce that DTC Pod is officially part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. The HubSpot Podcast Network is the audio destination for business professionals. And we're really excited about being part of the network because we're going to be able to keep growing the show, bringing you guys amazing guests, and obviously helping you guys learn from the best founders, marketers, and builders of the most successful consumer brands. So anyway, keep listening to DTC Pod and more shows like us on the HubSpot Podcast Network at HubSpot.com slash podcast network. And, and which is important because I think like, you know, for people that, that might have seen momentous with Huberman, like... This isn't a sponsorship deal. Like clearly from what you're saying, it's about a passion of actually like having the chance to bring this into reality of this vision of like having the most high performance product and him having a chance to be, you know, a small part of it. Yeah. Not like an influencer sponsorship deal. A hundred percent. And I, and, and what really, you know, I mean, we, we sell to 200 pro and college sports teams. We literally make a custom product for one of the top teams in the NFL. We are, mo the momentous is on staff as a person at, a, at one of the top NHL teams. Like we're one of their advisors. Um, like they called us to help build protocols and things like that. And then we've won 10 contracts with the Department of Defense for innovation and research in our category. Like that's what, it, like that aligns with Andrew's mission, right? And that's what's so important about the partnership and the other partnerships we have in that ecosystem is, 
is we're not just hawk and product. Like we are like, I fundamentally believe this category is broken. And also I fundamentally believe that this category is actually really critical to longevity and wellness, right? And when I say our goal is to democratize high performance, performance doesn't mean running, jumping, lifting weights. Performance is how you wake up every day and you perform, right? Whether you're in business, whether you're a mom, dad, grandma, like, are you trying to maximize your life? And performance is longevity, uh, your potential. That's exactly it. And we, you asked this question about athletes and we made a shift, uh, when we decided to align, um, into right, like the Huberman lab and all of that was we had to make a conscious shift away from the athlete mindset. Right. And we were born in athletes and both early companies were very, very athletic focused. And what we wanted to become was we wanted to become a life optimizer company. And so what we did was we took like the mindset that makes an athlete great or makes an athlete an athlete is this continuous uh, pursuit of perfection or of progress. And what we said was humans have that. There's a huge chunk of humanity that have that. Turns out Huberman's audience is like that. People like Tim Ferriss's audience are like that. Like there's a lot of people that are thinking about what decisions do I make on a daily basis? And they care about quality. They care about science. They care about, they care about, right? Why they're doing what they're doing. Like they're not just aimlessly walking off a cliff, like, a, like, like, like some do. Um, and so we really ex expanded. I call it, we leveled up from the athlete. Cause our, so our, uh, if we say our, our customer, we named them the life optimizer. Um, and, and for short, they're Sam. So when we, I talk about Sam a lot, but Sam, athletes are a subset of Sam, of our, of our core customer. Cause they have to wait. Sam is your, Sam is our customer. Oh, got to show that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, like it's just, yeah, yeah. Right. Like ICP. Yeah. Oh, we have, um, Gina or something. I, I can't remember. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's had many names over the years. It's, it's now Sam and Sam has seemed to have stuck in yeah. the company, which is great. But then when I start talking about Sam, people are like, who the hell is Sam? I was like, oh, it's a, it's a customer. Like, yeah, yeah. customer. I was like, the customer. You know, uh, so anyways, uh, it's, it was a super interesting journey. And I will say the other thing that we did and, and, and if listeners have been like following us for multiple years, we've been a shit show as a DTC brand, right? Like up until like six months ago, we were garbage. Like our website was garbage, right? Like hard to transact, like really buggy, like all that. And, and it all kind of comes down to like my zone of genius is not DSC uh, merchandising, DSC, any of that. Like, oh, like I know a lot about it, but like I'm not an expert at it. And where we put a lot of our resources was, was what I call like doing the really hard stuff. Like, right, like winning government innovation contracts, product development, relationships, ecosystems, clinical research, right, and making sure we had the best damn products on the market. Um, and essentially, what we did was we did that, and we got all these tastemakers super stoked on it. And those tastemakers, right, ultimately drove and created the fuel for us to, it, it enabled to invest in the brand. And part of the thing that's that, I mean, like when Huberman made the bet to go with us, like, our, like the website was so bad. I mean, and, and it's gotten so much better and we were going to make it so much better, but, um, still like, like up until like seven months ago, like our marketing team was like four people. Right. Uh, and it was like, uh, people are like, oh, wh like, what are your retention flows like? And it's like, yeah, we got like three emails, yeah. right? Like, like we weren't even doing the basics, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is, uh, 
sad uh and looking back on it like whatever's next after momentous if there is a next uh i will build differently and invest differently yeah uh but to me and what my core competency and what i truly truly care about is we can change the trajectory of health in this country in this world i think and i think we can inspire and equip people to be better and i think we can do that by fixing a really broken category right and it's not broken by the fact that right like it doesn't work it's broken because consumers don't trust it right and consumers don't understand and right they just there's so much noise in it and there's no trust no transparency no true standard and so we have that opportunity so the vision is not to create an amazing d2c brand like we've become that then almost like tripped over ourselves to do it which i i consider very lucky um and if you if you can't prove that you can fix that it doesn't matter how good your conversion rates are like it's it's not gonna work right, right. so well you can build i mean and i, I like Tons of people build amazing CPG D2C brands, right? Tons. And it's okay. Like, not everybody's trying to, like, not everybody has the same mission, vision, the same purpose of why they're doing it. And some people just like, hey, I want to build this, right? Spin it, sell it, right? Cash flow, whatever. Yeah, make some money. And that's totally fine. Like, like, that might be what's next for me. I have no idea. Right. Uh, and I have a long time left with Momentus and I'm really passionate about it. But I think, you know, for me, it was always, there was always a level up. Um, and therefore, uh, and I believe if you want to build something that truly has massive enterprise value and can make pretty meaningful change in the world, you can't build a D2C brand. With, you can't say, I'm just building a DC brand. Correct. You have to go build a brand yeah. at a company, right? And you got to do really hard things. And some people do the D2C brand stuff first. I, and this is my skill set. Like I'm an incredibly relationship driven, right? Curious human um, and just have this great network and passion for product. We went the other way. We said, Let's build this network and this ecosystem and do things that nobody else are doing. We'll build the brand. Like we'll we'll we'll, we'll build pretty packaging and a website and conversion and, and all this stuff, other stuff as we go. And that's very dangerous too, because that's how you run out of money. Mm-hmm. Or you have to raise a lot of money. Yeah. Um and we had to raise we raised too much money, in my opinion. Like looking back on it, like one of my strengths is I can raise money because I'm like uh, I'm a galvanizer. I'm like this great and we were doing really crazy things, but also that means we didn't have to focus on some of the fundamental business things we have over the last 12, 16 months. Like we really like, we have a awesome business and, and the team has excelled and our people around us. But yeah. It's been a crazy trip. What is revenue? Uh, yeah, we, uh, we'll do about 40 this year. Um, and, uh, what about when before you before Huberman joined and like when the acquisition like threw that yeah so basically uh, five million you said? yeah we yeah. went from like five wow. to forty and when you in two years in in and realistically our run rate up until uh, you know a year post merger so like uh, seventeen months ago was about five million dollars and does that include the government? Yeah. So like, so what is, what does it mean when you get a government contract? Like, what do you mean by that? Does it, 
Is it um because can't they just go on the website and buy the products? Yeah. So so the, I interrupt my head. Over. No, you're 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 yeah. super good. So the government does purchase products, and that's not that's not what I talk about. Go, uh, government contracts. So we've won innovation and research contracts. It, it does account to revenue, and early on, it was a big percentage of revenue. So our first big contract was worth uh, 1.5 million dollars, and it, it's revenue. But think of it as almost like undilutive, non-dilutive financing. Um, from that sense. And so they fund clinical research and they fund product development and help fund some of the team. They outsource it to you essentially. Yeah, essentially. So we go and, and they say, so our first thing was on PR lotion and it was, uh, yeah, it was around, so the, it was sponsored by a special forces unit within the air force. And, uh, there was, there's this practice within the air force that's called tactical dehydration. And that means pilot and air crew purposely dehydrate themselves before they fly so they don't have to pee when they fly because the the options most of the time in most airframes to pee is in a piddle pack, right? So you pee in a bag or like you like, it's a terrible, terrible thing. Um, and, or you wear a diaper and it's like no grown ass man or woman is stoked. If I do tonight. And so... So it was like, well, uh, PR lotion has some qualities that could help retain water. So minimize the need to urinate uh, in that. So they came to us and said, hey, let's do some clinical research. We did clinical research at University of Yukon around this, showed some really good data. So it, it's these contracts are innovation research contracts. They do count as revenue and they've actually been big. We've we essentially over the last four years of about a million dollars a year in revenue has come from innovation contracts, like revenue, like non-dilutive funding, it, it hits as revenue in, in, in the business, which is super interesting. Obviously that amount per revenue is shrunk every year because our, our, our other revenue is growing. Yeah. Um, but really even early on, like, you know, that 5 million. So if you say a million was a government, uh, and then of the rest of the four, it's like, 50% was pro and college sports teams. And so like we were a really small DS business and like our pro and college sports teams business and government hasn't, hasn't grown. Uh, and people are like, why is like, you don't, you know, they're making more pro and college sports teams, yeah. right? Like it's grown nicely, but it's like D to C went from, you know, realistically 17, 18 months ago, $2 million to close to 36. What uh, broke at that process? Like what, or what came the closest to like breaking? Like, well, well, uh, well yeah. uh, we broke people. We did. Um, and it's like one of my regrets on it. Uh, but we also grew and you grew. Uh, one of the things as a founder I've realized is like, you need different people at different times and people that have different willingness to do things that we, we just like, like we, we rocketed through this valley of death where most companies die in like this 10 to $20 million a year run rate. And like, we just like, we didn't like, we got past in like a month. Right. And we turned on profit quick and like all that. And it was like, but it, uh, anyway, so what broke, I, um, being in the ecosystem, I fundamentally, uh, and kind of my personality type, like I could see where this was going and it was like building, like I could see what Huberman was going to do and had enough inside baseball. And I could see with some of these other partners and, and what we were on the cusp of. And, uh, we went big on inventory and 
there were a lot of people not happy with me, uh, right? I mean, remember, right? Again, like POs, uh, like, uh, like yeah, like purchase orders, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. and we're like, it's going to get big. And, uh, you know, one of the few people who we really only have two people other than my co-founder and I that have, uh, uh, been with, uh, been with either company since the, since the start. So our senior director of, of science, um, he would call it senior director of, of human performance is Patrick Dixon. He leads all the government pro and college sports things like fascinating background. And then our VP of product, Matt Chorney have both been, uh, Matt Chorney came from the Omenta side, Patrick came from the amp human side, those are only two left other than my, myself and my co-founder. So of the two businesses pre-merger, there's only four people left. Um, and that, I mean, like we also all grew people in the culture and all that, but Matt Chorney specifically, right. What he did from like, he was running ops at that time. What he did to keep the train on the tracks is nothing short of a miracle. And if he had any traditional ops training, there is no effing way. We yeah, they uh, uh, his bliss. And, uh, like yeah, yeah and, and we just went big and fast and hard, and we cut we uh, we cut timelines that you know are like didn't work, and we like leveraged and like you know like we're like oh you know like our manufacturer like into Huberman's like well we're gonna lose Huberman if you know this right like you know and they're like you're helping this happen and so like we pulled every little string um and our real like our only ops goal over that growth period that we were in was keep us in stock nothing else do nothing else right fulfillment don't don't care right we've optimized that since and but it was like the worst thing we can do is not be in stock uh and so our supply chain like we went through for a products company, a really crazy spike and a time when we had no working capital too, or we had some working capital, but not a incredibly supportive, um, right. Investor base. Cause we were fragmented. It was a really, really challenging. Um, yeah. So and, uh, how, how'd you do it? Right. Like going from two to 38 in a matter of like 18 months and just like you're saying 36, two to 36, yeah. but like making sure that you have the inventory to keep up and you're obviously going to be selling out because you're not stocking, you know, $20 million worth of products. So like in real time, what was it sort of looking like? What was the turnaround on the different parts of your supply chain? Were you working with like one supplier? There are multiple, like how did, how did it all come together? Yeah. So to not go out. Zero for cost. Right. And, uh, we are now seeing huge cost efficiencies now that we've slowed, like slowed down and like can do bigger POs, but we were just like, like for some products, it was like, we just put POs in every week. Right. And it is like, that's not, it's, it's sustainable or like, we're like, oh, we're going to air freight this ingredient. Yeah. They're like, well, it's going to double the cost. And you're like, whatever, who cares? Yeah. Right. Be in stock. Yeah. Like rule number one, right. rule number two. Yeah. yeah. And like, we, we kept quality very, very high, which was great. Um, and then we, like, we used, we really leaned heavily on partners to like, jump people in line and pay jump in line fees and like do all these things. Um, because you know, for me, uh, the last 12, 18, 24 months, it's not about margin. Right. And like, uh, it's important to run a, uh, a, a real business and, and a sustainable business. And I think all, all founders can like, you get over your skis, you get screwed. Um, but you, you have to understand like, there's a time to grow the pie. And there's the time to cut the pie, right? And ultimately, 
when it's time to cut that pie, it better be a big fucking pie. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, because, I mean, it doesn't have to be. It's true. Um, and what you don't want to do is grow the pie irrationally. Um, but when the pie is growing, take it. Right? And it's it's just like, it, grow it. And don't grow it irresponsibly. Don't take m- more risks than you need to. And don't, right, don't break the bank. But that was kind of the thing of like, if we have this opportunity to grow the pie, let's grow the pie. And we, we like, we were out of stock for a couple of seconds here and a couple of seconds there. And it was like, you know, like, how do we get the truck to the fulfillment center faster? It's like, we were so close. And part of what made it the hardest is we certify our whole production line by two certification companies and you can't speed it up. Like, we're like, can you go faster? They're like, nope. And they don't even care, right? There are two places. So there are two certification companies in the world that pro and college sports use. If your product is not either NSF certified for sport or informed sport, informed choice, they will not touch your product because every other third-party certification in their mind is garbage, Yeah, right? doesn't mean anything, right? They won't give to the players because they don't want their players to test positive. And our category has no regulation. Yeah. And so that actually became sometimes the biggest bottleneck in everything that we had. And what is what does the certification mean? Is it a, like a one-time thing when formulating a product or is it it's every- Every stupid product. Uh, it, it's yeah. really important. And I, and I think that's where if you go, if you really want to build a crazy brand and be incredibly impactful is it's all about quality and you can't budge on that. And you have to, you, you can never like you, like we're building what we call the momentous standard. And, and we've always kind of had this, we've never displayed it externally, but like you can never jeopardize that. And so for us, it was like, we're going to third party certify. Um, and not, 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 not use what consumers think of third party certified. We're going to do the only two that matter. And so what does that mean for us? That means every batch is certified and that means both pre and post and post it's testing for label claim accuracy. So basically if you say you have 20 grams of protein, five grams of carbs, whatever it is, you have to be within like 10% variation, right? Or if it's like 800 milligrams of sodium, you better have it. Right. And if you're out, you have to redo your label or you have to make a label um, accurate. And it can't contain things that aren't on the label. Right. And so it has, it, it literally, what's on the label is in the, is in the package, which, you know, there are every week, it seems like a new paper comes out that like 60%, 80%, 10%, 15% of supplements that they test or dietary nutrition don't actually contain what they say they do or contain other things that, that, that aren't supposed to be it. Yeah. And then the second step, which I think is really important and, and consumers, I don't know if consumers actually care. I think they do. My, my hypothesis is that it is free of banned substances. And, uh, what you find in our categories, there's a lot of bad ingredients and bad things that are used. Um, and not by that many players, but what happens is cross-contamination is huge in our thing, in, in our, in our category and, cr- and cross con- uh, basically like it shipped on the same truck or in the same rail car or was made in the same facility as a substance that is banned in pro sports or college sports. And me as a consumer, I mean, anyways, the only way we can work with the people we work with is to do these certifications. And I also believe fundamentally like consumers might not know they care, but they should care. And it's on us to explain why it's so dangerous. Like we had a vitamin D production run. And it's literally vitamin D, right? In capsules. Like nobody would think about it. We failed 
a, a banned substance test with it. Meaning, meaning when we go in to get certified before we can release it, it gets these certifications and it failed. And it failed because it was somehow in the chain of command, it uh, chain of control, it was contaminated or next to something that was banned, wow. right? And we've, with our standards and with our certifications, that production run goes into a dumpster. Yeah. Right? Thing. Yeah. But the challenge is we weren't the only one that had, right? That vitamin D was probably used in 20 other people's products, right? And if you don't certify, but like, is it going to kill a human? No. Is it good for a human? Probably not. Like, well, but it's not the best of the- It's not, thing. but and it's not what we as consumers should expect. Like, like you don't buy a Beyond Meat burger and like, oh, it has trace amounts of bacon in it. Like, <laughs> right? Like that's yeah. the, like, the, people would lose their minds. And that's where, uh, that's where I think, that's where, that's where I think we have this opportunity. Because what makes me so passionate is we can change that because we have people like, Dr. Huberman and Dr. Galpin and Dr. Stacy Sims, like these thought leaders, we can change the perspective and we can change how people think and educate them. And we can create a standard that's above everybody else, but we can create a standard that raises everybody else, right? My biggest goal is like, what if we just get everybody, like this industry to, to self-police and raise itself? So, so I want to touch on that. So like you had Huberman, right? Huberman is like, you know, top top one percent of of everything health and so but you decided to keep going and add more experts in the field what drove that like what what you could have just stayed with with huberman um what made you and how did you think of like um, here's how i envisioned this whole thing with all these people working together to grow this so what what i would classify like a true expert we had all those people before huberman mm -hmm. oh okay right it just wasn't uh like portfolio wasn't deep enough yeah. like but uh, like that's what like that's what made us special and that's what gave me great confidence to do the acquisition of momentous is we had these people and we were accessing these people on there and so this list of experts what i will say we didn't have were these tastemakers right now like you know like whoa we like we're on tim ferris's podcast and like and andy schultz's podcast as like sponsors um but they're very picky on who they work with and uh, what and Huberman has done to one, uh, Huberman um, has created this unlock because he's de-risked this category, um, right? Because he saw inside the sausage making of us, he saw all the experts we were working with, the DOD, et cetera. And he actually like understood what was making us special. And he's, you know, basically like, he is the tastemaker in our category. He's the tastemaker for tastemakers. And that's what, that's what he's done. And so it wasn't on, on like, how do we get a Galpin or a Stacey Sims? Like, uh, Stacey is like the leading female performance optimization human in the world. And Andy Galpin did some stuff with, with Huberman and has some more big things, but he's like probably the smartest exercise physiologist in the world or most popular, mo uh, most easily digestible, maybe is a better word. Um, and those people are, are awesome, but what really for us our goal is like, if you are a, a Sam back to our, our, if you're a life optimizer and you, you're in comedy or you're right talk show host, or you're an athlete or you're a business person, we want to work with you. Right. And it's more so of now we're venturing into this space of let's go find the pockets of people who life optimizers that can tell our story in a really unique, genuine way. 
because like when Andy Schultz talks about us, it's cool, right? Because he puts his spin on it. Um, and he's seen in, he's like now seen inside the sausage making of like what makes us special. Like we literally, like we work with the best people and he's like, why wouldn't you buy from the company that literally the, the, the billion dollar industries. Um, and it's really powerful on that, but that's this, e this ecosystem is what I've always believed in. And it, it truly is a flywheel. You build it and then now the ecosystem spins and spins and spins. It's happening with our work in the government, our advocacy work. Like we got, uh, this year we hosted, we, we briefed Congress twice on high performance, uh, uh, like call it uh, wellness initiatives um, and supplementation, which is fascinating. Like I got to stand up in front of congressional members and talk to them. I mean, I'm not, I'm a, um, I'm kind of a knuckle dragger. Like I'm not the smartest person in the room, but I know a lot. I'm super passionate. Uh, and we got to talk to him about traumatic brain injury and supplements. And we brought in a ton of our experts from pro and college sports to like go brief Congress. And then we did the same thing on female high performance and the gaps in female performance and what we see you know, right, in college and pro athletics and the equality gaps. It, it's just like fascinating. And to me, what's so rewarding is what Momentus has given us is it's given us a platform to probably affect change. And being able to be in DC and and hopefully change policy uh, to expand access is incredible, right? And not to help Momentus directly, right? To unlock this category and spread knowledge and change policy and change the way people think um, about this space is really, really important because I do fundamentally believe that our category, our industry, and it has been, is a, is a cornerstone to health, wellness, and longevity. But until we can break down some of the nastiness that comes with it, it's always going to be hurdle. Like I talk to customers and people, all, not, not even customers. You, you responded to me when I needed help with yeah. like, cause I don't understand a lot of these Yes, yeah. and I'm trying to get it. But, but like, there are so many people like you, yeah. right. That are smart, intelligent. And it's like, there's so much noise and no one to where to go. And then you're like, F it. I'm not doing anything. Right. And that is a disservice. Um, and, and that's what the goal is, right? Is the goal is like to make people like you and, and part of the challenge is like, how do we make the website come like that? I think that's our big, our big unlock as a brand. Like, like we are building incredible trust, but then we have to go and figure out how on a website, do we have a, or I mean, maybe even thought on a website, I don't know how to use AI, right? What you guys are working, how do you use something to create and tailor a bit more like, all right, this is not just a marketing brand. This is like truly the best in class. Here's why I should care about what I put in my body. And then it's like, no, here's a curated approach for you. That's important for you. Um, that's what's super, super duper important in my opinion. I think one of the, one of the biggest takeaways of this conversation too, is like, you know, going back to, to that, like, yeah, you can start a DTC brand to flip it and make some cash, et cetera. But like, you're obsessed with the mission and like, that's the reason why the product has reached the heights it has. And if you're not this obsessed, like it's going to be really hard to build a business that is as meaningful. One thing I wanted to touch on is like, you know, you mentioned about the margins. And so from the outside in, some people say, have said Momentus is one of the premium priced products in, in the vertical, but that's why, right? Like you're, you're not, re it's not for purely for, for margins. It's because it's what it has to be to make this thing work. Yeah, 
I mean, and the hope is, right, as we continue to scale and gain efficiencies, we gain margins and we can pass it on. Because the number one complaint we get is we're too damn expensive. And it's like, that's true. But we also, as a brand, have to communicate why, right? Like the people are like, well, I can go buy Omegas from, you know, uh, Costco and a GNC, whatever. And they're a third of the price. And you're like, well, they probably have heavy metals in them or the dosing is not correct. Like efficacious dosing and sourcing, it costs money and certifications. It's just like, hey, if you want to go buy a hamburger from McDonald's, it's so cheap. Yeah. And it like, it does the job-ish, right? But if you want to buy something that's really good, high quality, it's not going to cost buck 99, right? And, but we have to tell the consumer that and we need to educate the consumer. But that also means- we're not for everybody. And I have this fundamental belief. My, our job as a business is not to create more life optimizers. Our job is to serve the life optimizers. People like Dr. Huberman and Tim Ferriss are creating more life optimizers. And I believe life optimizers, our customers can create more life optimizers. Exactly. They can be the inspiration. Our job is not- Not to convince them and create them. Convince yeah. them that they should be doing it. Yeah. Our job is to help facilitate and I hope to someday give our customers the knowledge and power to help grow, write this category. But, but like, if we want to democratize high performance, we have to do that with the people who are willing to listen and learn and lead them to the water, not go find some other animals and lead them to water. Like that's their job once we figure it out. Yeah. Ramon, the other thing that I was going to say that's so interesting about the conversation is just like, how you guys place a priority rather than going after something that's like fully commoditized and spinning up a brand and like, okay, great. We've got a great DTC operation. You're doing the hard stuff first, right? Um, and trust, right? And trust wins out in a commoditized world because that's where the consumers are going to go. It's like, where do we find the trust? And um, the other thing is sometimes all paths to business aren't linear, right? Like you were saying, when you're building that flywheel, you have to start with one thing and that one thing leads to another thing, which leads to another thing that you may not see when you're just starting out. Um, but in your guys' case, like you were saying in the beginning, you guys were selling almost like as an enterprise sort of, uh, almost an enterprise pharmaceutical business selling to defense contractors yeah. and to sports teams. And now all of a sudden, once you're able to unlock that trust and unlock that flywheel, then your business was able to, you know, do something like you said, go from two to 36 in like, 18 months, that's not something that any D2C business just does because they have a sick website. You know what I mean? hundred percent, right? You got to be truly differentiated. And what we like, again, like we, we have this differentiated and then we found like, like we found an opportunity to play in a really big TAM. Like nutrition supplements, TAM is billions and billions. And it's fundamentally broken in my mind, but you can't, like you could, we could have just built another sick fruity pebbles flavor protein, right? And those companies are, they make good money, right? And they're out there and not knocking them at all. We just took a different approach. Like we play in the protein space. We just said, we're going to build, we're going to build Ferrari fuel. We're not going to build, right? Like Pinto fuel, right? Like we're going to be really diligent in why we build it and how we build it. And I believe it becomes very hard to leave momentous when you can add true value and differentiation. Like why would you... Like the goal is have a consumer be like, why would I use anything else? 
right? Like, yeah, that's how I buy momentous. I honestly just buy the the brain. Um, what is it called? The brain supplement? Brain drive. Brain drive. And I just buy it. I don't question it because I know I found my solution and I'm just not going to waste any more time doing the research because I know this is probably the best product. What? So for, for, um, for people who are listening and like, they're like, yeah, but you know, Jeff, I don't, I don't have a, a product that's patented or anything like that. How could they, what are some of the ways that people could differentiate and what questions should they be asking to see how they can differentiate their business from everything else in their industry? Yeah, I think to find truly patented products is incredibly unique, right? And what you, I hope you heard in the story was like, we have a patented product and it was the springboard. It's not what drives us revenue anymore, right? We used it, right, to get into the space that we're in and we used it to interweave high performance and, and uh, mission vision into the rest of the brand. Um, and so I think there's so many different ways to differentiate. You can differentiate on service. You can differentiate on quality. You can differentiate on, right. Just overall experience that the customer gets or the, the, the positioning within the market, like even just like the gap, the use cases on that. Um, and all of those things, but, but it takes a while and like, you know, it takes a long time to figure the, the positioning is something alone that can 10x your TAM. Like if you do it right, yeah. positioning is probably one of the best like investments of time as a strategic operator of like, where where can I create a category here? And, and sure, there's going to be the cost of education, but when you unlock on the other side, um, it, it makes um, the, the investment very worth it. So as we get towards the end here, I know you guys have raised some money. What, what are the plans? What's coming up next for... Yeah. Never raise money again. Uh, <laughs> number one plan. Uh, I think really what gets me most excited is we now have the ability to really build team um, in a meaningful way. Uh, I, I think we're at this unique stage that, you know, to go from 40 to 200 million in revenue sometime in the coming years, right? That's built on team. Like that's not built on, you know, that's not built on an entrepreneur's back, right? And there's this big transition that myself and my co-founder have to make as leaders in the business. And no longer do we get to make every decision and do everything. Like we have to build a really team and we have to inspire and equip those people while still living the mission and vision um, on there. But I really believe, right, it's, it's all about in service of the customer. If we can continue to find better ways to serve the customer and serve their needs and give them real value, it's going to be really, really incredible. So continue to innovate in product, continue to live this mission and vision to democratize high performance. We're doing some incredible things, uh, uh, right. With the, with the, you know, house and Senate of us, the U S Congress, um, to really change some of that. And it's some of the work I'm most proud of. Uh, I think product, we've got some cool stuff on the product side coming out. Like we're going to continue to get better. Um, and just really the customer experience, how do you enrich it? I'm like, how do you get P like, we got to get people into the right products at the right time mm -hmm. and we got to educate why. And I think knowledge is power. And, um, and I think especially for our customer, um, for that, I think it's also just like, we've had way more waves. Like if we go to a surfing analogy, like we've been in this crazy set of waves and we haven't been able to ride that many waves because we haven't had the right team, the right 
bandwidth, the right, like we haven't had capital, right? whatever it may be, um, or inventory or supply chain. And now it's not like, uh, like, you know, like Huberman and a guy like Rogan are like unicorns. Like there's like one of them. <laughs> well, well, what I was going to say is like the, the good part about that though, is that you have to develop the skill of being very selective about which wave you're going to take. And so that takes knowing yeah. which wave is a good wave. And now that you will have the positioning and the readiness to catch those waves, like you did develop that skill yeah, exactly. of knowing what is a good wave. Well, not just that. I think the other thing you said, Jeff, that I think is so important and applies to any business is like you were saying, when the pie is growing, like grow it as big as you can, right? When the opportunity is there, clearly the market conditions. I know we were talking about Huberman, but like, I think what a lot of listeners may may not even understand is like Huberman just like maybe two and a half years ago he published like episode one yeah. or something of his pod I remember listening to literally his first episode he had like you know less than a hundred thousand followers on Instagram and it was just some like and I listened with a friend we we're like driving on a road trip to Vegas and my friend's like why the hell are you listening yeah to this guy and now he's massive right but like in the same way when the pie is growing when things are growing you have to capture that that market and but i think what you have to realize is you still fundamentally have to have a good business underneath it right which means you have to have a uh, you have to have clear line of sight into margins you have to understand where you get efficiencies from because if you build a giant pie and it's not sustainable it oh yeah it is bad but I, I really believe like like you just like, we know, like we know, we, we knew when we chose to not optimize for margin or profit that there is a day we can yeah. and scale helps get you that, um, for sure. But also like when you go, you go. Um, but if you, and, and I, when you knew, you knew what you had too. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. And we know like, oh, expediting production runs and doing all of this. Like, Did you ever have a thought of like, am I crazy here? Am I the only one that- There are a lot of people that thought- <laughs> Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. A lot of people like, how much do you want to order? Yeah. Like, are you sure? Like, do you really think so? Like, I mean, all, our budget for this year, our forecast was, uh, our, our base case model, I think was 23 million, right? And we'll do 40. And I remember presenting 23 million and they're like, you're out of your mind. I was like, oh, we're going to smash this. And they're like, you are out of your mind. And- January 1st, it was like, cool, run rates above our base case. Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> and, uh, but like, that was part of it. And I think, you know, as being an operator, uh, it's it, like, you get lucky sometimes and we got the right wave at the right time. And I'm like, you know, like, you know, but to get in that position was really hard. Like we paddled our ass off and we had to survive for a long time. Like, like we, you know, we basically... When we merged two companies together, we were both right relatively flat businesses, and we were flat for a whole year post merger, right? Because it took so long. Wow. Well, and it, it just goes to show. Also, you you're telling us that seven months ago, you're like, what what even was my website seven months ago? But this is years and years into the journey of yeah. your company. This isn't like an overnight thing. And yeah. it and even what you're telling me is the momentous that we see today doing 40 million a year is not even what you have in plan as you continue to scale this. A hundred percent. Yeah. We, we, I mean, the space is huge and, uh, I just, the playbook that everybody's following has been done and done and done again. And it's like, that is not the right. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about like, 
like I think like brands like Element and AG have done an incredible job. I, I don't consider that like they're kind of they're like kind of in our category, right? They got singular products, very different, but like like dietary supplement as a whole, like uh, like omegas, creatine, proteins, et cetera. Like it's just like the same playbook. Everybody's running the same playbook. Right. When people wake up to this, they're not going to want to go back. When everyone realizes it. And yeah. And you, uh, but the other thing is like, I fundamentally don't believe people need to take five products. Like maybe like you could might graduate into that, but like most people just like get them into one or two, excuse maybe three that are impactful for them and they do it consistently. They're going to have massive benefits. The problem with our category is it's like, and the, the real problem with our category and what you see is like, LTV is super low, stickiness, there's no loyalty, people just like bounce on in and out because like retention is because nobody knows why they're taking or like they're like, oh, why am I taking this? Some some my buddy told me to take it. I don't remember what it does. And guess what? When you don't remember what it does or why you should take it, you just stop taking it. And therefore it has no impact. And there's a ton of ingredients and and then you've got ingredient supplements that are bundled and supplements that are like individuals and and then like retailers too, they might just go the long tail and be like, I'm going to create a, a skew for every ingredient. <laughs> it's just going to be that, you know? Yeah. It's a really, it's, com it's a complicated space. And like most things, it's like 80 for 20 rule. Like the fact of the matter is like, there are not like, there is like a handful of, of products that actually can make drive meaningful impact. Everything else linear. I, I spoke with one of my good friends. Um, he's like, the the biggest health freak of, of my um, health freaks of my circle of friends and i asked him about for example ag he's like do your body can't process like a hundred something sort of ingredients um at once do you agree with that like how many ingredients on average do your products have for example oh uh, we have a lot of seaweed mm -hmm. uh, uh but there are some that have you know six ten different ingredients uh, I just fundamentally don't believe in proprietary brands. I think it's deceiving. I think it's part of what's wrong with, with our market. Like I, I actually, uh, like I really respect AG and really respect what they've done. I, I don't know if AG today, if they were a star with 75 ingredients, that that would fly. I do think what they've done is create an um, uh, immense amount of awareness around health and wellness. And their product does do some good, right? I mean, it clearly does. It has great people behind it. Now, does everything in that product work or is it efficacious doses? Probably not. But I think that is in a lot of cases. Um, and I think uh, I think what they've done is very good for society. I really do. And they are, they are a massive, massive brand. And I'm proud to kind of be in their ecosystem um, on that. So AAG, love them to death. Um, but I, I think... You know, the, go back to proprietary blends. It's just like, you know, don't look behind the curtain. And it's like, that's not transparent. Like, like, right? Like, wh why do you need a proprietary energy blend? Right? Like, this is not, shouldn't be secret. And you're high, like, in my opinion, like, we, we as an industry use those things to hide it. And so it's like, it's okay to have blends of product. I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of blends. Because it's really hard to get that the most efficacious dose or what the clinically backed dose is in blends, um, but it's okay to have a blend like a, a multi ingredient formulation. Totally okay, but it's uh, but especially when you're like, when you're thinking about 
like true dietary supplements, like you want to have single ingredients so you can dose up and dose down, right? Because that's super, super important to be able to be an N of one. By that, I mean like we're all we're all unique and different and our bodies do different things. And so when you have a blend, you don't know what's best for you. You don't know like what's optimal. And I, I think it's really cool when you can be like, oh, let me take out this, see what happens. Let me take out that and see what happens. Or let me add a little bit more. Like like as example for me, like, like my biggest thing is brain health. Like I, as a pro football player, I hit my head, right? I did six years at SC. I did four years in NFL. I was an offensive lineman. I am scared to death about long-term brain health. Like it is my biggest fear that I have that like when I'm 70, like I start losing it. Like I don't want to, I don't want to end up being like Joe Biden. I want to live as long as Joe Biden. Uh, but like, that's not what I like. And so what do I, can I do? Like omegas are a great example. Omegas have a ton of clinical research behind brain health, uh, really high doses of omegas. And ours is a two surfing size, just pure, right? DHA, EPA, omegas, uh, 800 milligrams of each. I take four. I double dose because I know the implications of it. I'm also 240, right? Like I'm a big man still and I have a big frame and like I need different doses and it's really, and sometimes you don't want big doses of some things um, and other times you do, right? Like some things can be toxic in high doses or not as good for you. Um, or habit forming, other things can't like omega threes in higher doses and it's going to hurt me. I mean, b brain drive is, so I tried a few brain enhancement, um, products and brain drive for me was the one that like, just didn't give me any headaches. Just didn't, like I was trying some that I was getting a raging headache and it was, it had too much caffeine or something. And I drink cold brew already. Yeah. So like I could, I can't take, I can modify this, these ingredients. And so what what was the what was the idea behind behind brain drive yeah brain drive was actually uh, a product that was involved in the acquisition so it was a pre putting the two companies together it's a very very well designed nootropic um super clean um and ingredients in the right ratios that i think are really really impactful um it's uh it's a like the nootropic the nootropic space is really noisy and loud um, obviously, yeah, and, uh, I just think there's so much misinformation in there. And at the end of the day, like the thing that works the most, like the best thing ever for cognition is caffeine. Like caffeine freaking works. It's a drug, right? Like stop. And, uh, we don't obviously put caffeine in there. We, we do true, like true, a true nootropic blend, nootropic blend. And, um, it's been very good for us. Like, and it's a good, like, I, I don't, uh, I don't drink it with my coffee. Yeah. I saw, so, so like brain drive is something I use very rarely. Um, but when I use, like I use it, uh, and for very specific reasons. Right. And it's like, when I want, when I want to focus, have some clarity, right. Do the benefits of it. Like it's really important for me. Um, but it has, uh, yeah, it, it, it was designed with some of the best minds in the space and, um, it's actually like, what's crazy is we sell a ton of it into pro and college sports and we don't sell it to the athlete. The athletes aren't the ones using it. It's all the coaches. It's crazy. And it's like one of those things like the coaches need more brain drive. And you're like, what? did you destroy it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so funny. well, 
Jeff, this was um, this was awesome. Um, thank you, thank you for sharing with the audience the story behind Momentus, everything about the product. It's motivating to see how obsessed you you are with the mission, um, and get to meet someone whose whose products I consume. So um, we're excited to follow along the journey and and see you guys hit that um, you know pass that nine figure um, and continue seeing Momentus grow. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your support. A rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in DTC and beyond. Follow and subscribe to the show, and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod. Oh yeah, thanks guys.